0: Out. It's going to be a little road map, kind of, to show you where we're going today. If you don't have one, why don't you raise your hand and someone can uh, maybe pass one out to you. I can't tell you how excited I am to be here. Three weeks ago, on Wednesday, I was in a little different environment. There's a lady who lives in the jungles of Venezuela. Her name is Sophie Mueller. She went there some 50 years ago. And she prayed for about uh, 30 years that someone would come and build a Bible Institute in the jungles between Venezuela and Colombia to reach a generation that was being lost. And uh, God laid it upon our company to do that. And I had the privilege three years ago in December to go down to her village. It was quite an experience, about uh, seven hours in a canoe after we finally got to a port that we left from. And to sit in her little hut and read a letter as a businessman across a table from a very godly woman. She probably weighs 90 pounds. Hardly anyone in the world knows about her. She's translated the New Testament into five Indian dialects. There's some 18,000 Indians up and down the Orkanoa River that know Christ because of her ministry. Over 200 little churches in villages all over the area. And I sat there and I began to read this letter from our president and CEO, telling her that we were going to build this Bible Institute. By halfway through the letter, I just couldn't go any further. I just started to cry. I thought, as I looked around in this little hut, here I am a businessman working in the marketplace. I live in a nice home. I drive a nice car. I get to go nice places. And I'm sitting in this woman. I see a half a dozen cockroaches on the wall. She sleeps in a little chaise lounge with a mosquito net. She has a table and a bench and another bench on the side, and that's where she's lived all of her life. And I thought, as a businessman working in the marketplace, how can I even, you know, to be in her presence was an awesome thing. I thought, what a wealthy woman. Well, the Bible Institute was built, and she said, someone from your company has to come and teach for a few days at this Bible Institute. And so three weeks ago on Wednesday, I went downriver. We were supposed to have a 65-horsepower motor. It supposed to take us four hours, but it broke down. We went a day late, and we had a 15-horsepower motor, and it took us 11 hours. But I had the privilege of standing in a little cement block building with a tin roof, and in front of me was about 40 young men and three girls from the village right next door, to spend a day and a half through a translator just sharing some truths from God's Word. As a businessman, that's an exciting thing to be there in Venezuela in the jungle. God has given us the opportunity now to go four times a year to the mission field as a businessman to try to reach business and professional people primarily with the truth of Jesus Christ. But beyond that, how you can live your life? I trust that during our time together today and Wednesday and Friday, that I can challenge you as a businessman through some of the experiences that God has taken me through. How to take the gospel of Jesus Christ into the marketplace, wherever you live. If God calls you into ministry, you're going to be living in a marketplace environment and people that you're ministering to make their living in marketplaces like I do. I was uh, buying a newspaper in the airport when I was coming here on Saturday afternoon And uh, as I was walking out of the little bookstore in the airport at Dallas Airport, my eye caught the title of a book. So I sat there with a a pen, and I carry a little. Maybe I'll tell you on Friday how I organize my life and can carry it with me. But I began to look at these self-help books, and I used to live my life by self-help books. I've been in sales and business all of my life. I lived by the positive mental attitude. I really felt that whatever I could believe in my mind, I could do it. We're going to talk a lot about that on Wednesday because we're getting sold a bill of goods as Christians and believers today. We think that greater is he that is in the world for some reason than greater is he that lives within us in the person of Jesus Christ. Here are some of the titles that I saw. And by the way, if you go to a bookstore, you'll see hundreds and hundreds of self-help books. And they'll tell you how to fix almost everything in your life except one thing. Not one of them will talk about how to change your heart. I haven't yet seen a self-help book that talks about getting your heart changed. That's where the key to all we're going to be talking about during our days. But one is one that every time you turn on the TV set, you see an infomercial with Tony Robbins and his quarterback friend talking about unlimited power. The way to break personal achievement or be a peak personal achiever. And only costs you, I think it's 89.95, three easy payments. And you can learn how to be something way beyond your wildest imagination. We're going to allude to that a little bit on Wednesday. Another book said, control your destiny or someone else will. I don't want to control my own destiny, I want someone else to control it for me, but not in relationship to what they're talking about in that book title. Another is Celestial Prophecy. Do you realize that they have discovered in the jungles of Peru something that has been hid for hundreds of years? And you know what it'll do for you? Nine key insights into life itself from the Peruvian jungle. It's been hid. I mean, you know, this is more exciting, they would say, than God's Word. Another is a book on relationships, How to Fix Them, by Barbara D. Angelus. She's on infomercials all the time, too. And she wants to talk about how to have a good marriage and good relationships. And she's been married four times, so she's had lots of practice. (laughs) I always would have confidence going for counseling if someone's going to tell me how to fix my marriage, and there's been broken four times. Another one that you have seen a lot and heard a lot about is called "Embrace the Light." In fact, a man has just written a Christian book uh, to counteract what's said in that book, and it's her journey through death and beyond." Then a new book just came out called "Saved by the Light." Now journey or embraced by the Light and Saved by the Light. Uh, we're having a conference called Salt and Light. It's a little bit different light, though, that we have within us in the person of Jesus Christ. This saved by the light says it's a true story of a man who died twice and the revelations he received while he was dead two times. Now, you can go to any self-help section of a bookstore and you can find all sorts of things that tells you how to solve your problems personally. I know that you're at a school that teaches you how to trust God, to love God, and have a desire to serve Him with all of your heart. And on the piece of paper that you have in front of you, there's two overhead slides that we were going to use, and rather than try to use them, I just had them printed at the office on Friday to bring them with me. On the top part, it talks about total life management. I'm going to be giving you a... Personal testimony of my life in just a few moments so you have some idea as to where we're coming from and where we're going during our time together but I've been doing total life management conferences for many years and it really in a simple definition a life purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ a total life purchased if you know Christ personally I'm sure that basically maybe all of you know him personally But certainly the vast majority of you, you've been purchased by the blood of Christ. It says in God's word that we're no longer our own. We're bought with a price. Now, as a businessman, I do a lot of training and talking on leadership and management and the difference between the two. And a key function of management is getting things done through the efforts of other people. If I'm an effective manager, I can't go and do all the work for all the people in all of my departments. I have to direct the activities of others, and management for the believer is getting things done through the efforts of another. Very God wants to work through our lives to get the job done that he has called us to do. It's very difficult for us to lay our hands off because I've been a performance, activity, goal setting, statistical, living businessman for a lot of years. And I've learned something in the last three years that's radically changed my life and the way I view business and the way I view my own personal life. As you look at that total life management picture, you see there's uh, five symbols. In the left-hand corner, that happens to be a compass. Over on the right side is a globe which talks about maps. Those are the two key things that you need in your spiritual journey through life, a compass and maps compass, of course, is God's Word. A compass is an instrument for giving direction. A compass is correct any place in the world if you know how to read it. But you also know that if you're following a compass and the longitude and latitudes and all the degree stuff, I can't read a compass. My son had one. He went with me in the jungle and he was showing us how it was accurate even though we didn't know where we were, we know where we were, north, east, south, and west. But you know something, if your compass is set here and you just turn it just a slight degree, just a little teeny bit off, not very much, and you begin going in the wrong direction and you keep traveling long enough, you'll be hundreds and thousands of miles from where you ever intended to be. That's what happened with a lot of Christian lives. They accept Christ as their savior. They want him to be lord of their lives. They begin the journey to discover what it is God wants them to do with their lives. But all of a sudden, little detours start taking place. And that's what maps are all about. I began a few years ago developing my own personal atlas. Developing my own map book. Now, we're told in scripture to, you know, forget the past and press on to the future. But I think it's important not to dwell upon the negatives of the past... But to look at the past and see God's faithfulness, I'm going to share with you in a few moments part of my map book. I want to challenge you as we go through these days to develop a map book. We're going to talk on Friday and give you two pages of material on how to live your life beyond good intentions. I find in our business, people set objectives of the things they want to accomplish and do. I'll be in Anaheim tonight doing a training session. I'll be talking about this this same subject living beyond good intentions, putting action to what you say you're going to do like someday I'm going to start exercising now for younger people like yourself that's no big deal but uh, I love to exercise, I do it at least five times a week but some of my friends say you know someday I'm going to start doing that or someday I'm going to go on a diet or someday I'm going to start having a quiet time or someday I'm going to do this always it's someday we want to talk about moving beyond that aspect But developing a map book. Then we have three other symbols. We're going to talk about those on Friday also. We talk about a calendar and a clock. We talk about a checkbook. I used to live my life by clocks. Clocks are very threatening. I have one laying here which tells me when I have to stop. If I had a calendar up here, you'd get probably very bored. Because it would take a lot longer to go through a calendar than to go through a clock. Clocks are kind of threatening. I discovered that it's much better to build our lives on calendars because we're going to talk about things that are valuable, priorities, how to set objectives, how to be the person that God wants us to be, how to plan your week or your month so that the things that need to be accomplished during that period of time are accomplished because you can't do them every day. You can't spend the time with God that you want to spend every single day. And the devil likes to come and tell us, you know, you're not really a very good Christian. You went through this whole day and hardly talked to him. But it's a very unusual day today because maybe you had classes all day and you had an athletic event and one thing and another. But boy, you have said on Wednesday, you got some time put aside just to spend with him. And you can look back on your calendar And be able to see your life is really being handled in a way that God would be pleased with it. So we want to talk about calendars and clocks. And we want to talk about checkbooks. I'm going to want to challenge you about that. In 1971, God began to work in my heart as a businessman in Cincinnati, Ohio. I uh, had some 200 corporate clients in the insurance business. And God began working in my life. And in a four-month period, he just really convinced myself and my wife that we should leave business and we left business in February of 1972 and we joined Word of Life. First time they had a businessman on their staff to work in some business related areas and some management areas and some do some things my income went down ninety percent it's a pretty big decrease five years later God changed the direction of our life enable us to start total life management We began a travel company, began doing some things in the business field. Then in 1985, the opportunity to begin a company that I am still with called Premier Designs that we'll talk more about as we go along. And God took us from business into ministry, took us out of ministry to a certain extent into business, and then recently more back into ministry also along with business. But I wrote in my Bible, in the very front part of it, Many, many years ago, and I'm getting ready to change Bibles because it's falling apart. It's great to have a Bible that's falling apart. But in 1976, I saw this, and I wrote it in the front of my Bible. You know what it says? Never allow the dollar sign to influence God's will for your life. Isn't it amazing how people lead people, how God leads people out of ministry? Because they just know God has done it. And sometimes he does because it's happened in my own life. But if you're only influenced by the dollar bill, you better stop and evaluate why you're moving, where you're moving, and what you're doing. And I want to really challenge you. I really want to challenge you as a businessman. You have a wonderful opportunity to have your life set aside for one, two, three, four, five years to really get to know the heart of God in an environment that stimulates that desire. Because the world in which you're living in and will live in is motivated by economics. People will do things for money that they wouldn't do for anything else. And materialism will probably be the hardest thing that you'll have to die to in your life. That's why there's very few career missionaries part of its health and other reasons, but a lot of its finances. I want you to lay your hands on your laps just for a moment look at them. That's the center of one of those little pictures you have. I want you to look at them for a moment. This is very, very important and precious to me, and I'm going to be talking to you about it the whole time we're together says on the bottom of those hands on that picture yes Lord in fact many times in conferences that we do we sing a little chorus yes Lord yes your will and your way yes Lord yes to trust you and obey when the spirit leads I'll do what the spirit tells yes Lord I'll, I'll trust you and obey I believe it's much harder to trust Christ after salvation than to trust him before. There's so much around us that really tries to tell us that God really can't be totally trusted. Now, I'm real happy I'm saved and I'm real thrilled about the life that I have and the joy and the peace that I have in my heart and so forth and so on. But to trust God to live like this. I never lived this way. Now, all of us have been newborn babies at some point. I was a newborn baby a long time ago, a little over 60 years ago to be exact. I know it's hard to believe that a young man like me could be 60, but it's actually true. But when every one of us were born, you know how our hands were? You ever seen a newborn baby? Their hands are always like this. Ever seen someone who's just died? Hands are like this. I find that most of us as Christians, we live kind of like this, sometimes like this, sometimes like this, sometimes like this. Very hard to live like this. The Bible has a lot to say, especially Paul, about dying to self, being able to give everything over to God, allowing Him to rule and reign in our lives. As you would look at your hands... And think about it during our days together. Is there anything in your life that you wouldn't be willing to release to the Lord if he asked you to? Boy, I struggled with this a few years ago. I'm going to talk about it. Tell you about it. I mean, I really struggled. Big time hard. Because I pretty well had my life organized and set. And things were going great. And business was terrific. and Boy, I mean, life was good. And all of a sudden, I began to sense some things that God is beginning to do in my life as a businessman. I wasn't sure I wanted those adjustments. I had that big adjustment back in 72. And I, you know, we can always tell the Lord, boy, things are great, God, and you're using me. And uh, I know I'm doing what's right. I just know I'm doing what's right. We keep convincing ourselves. We know we're doing what's right. But there's just that still small voice within that seems to say to us, trust me. Try me. Let me prove to you. What I have designed for you from the foundation of the world is the very best. And if you miss it, just like that compass situation, by a very slight degree, you've missed part of the best. So you've missed the best because you keep moving in a direction that seems to go farther and farther and farther away from what God ever intended for you to do. Even though you might be in the environment of a church and spiritual things, I'm not talking about moving off into gross sin. I'm talking about living like this. Living like this. On the bottom of that slide, it talks about becoming a salty light. I began looking in my... I've not talked about salt and light from that perspective, but I figured I ought to think about something relating to salt and light if I was going to talk about a salt and light of conference. So obviously the key verses are given to us there in Matthew 5:13 which is at the beginning of the sermon on the mount Jesus just began describing his character and the attributes of his life and then he says you are salt and you are light. And that word are was an interesting word I looked it up and it says Jesus is stating a fact of what he is and what we are becoming it's a process. It's a process. Life is a process. You notice if you look at this slide, and part of it we're going to talk about on Friday, the left hand side. You need to know what you want to do with your life, why you want to do it, and how you're going to get it done, and who's the person or person in your life that can make it all possible. Of course, it's the Holy Spirit. And that life is built upon the base, which is God's Word. But here's your life going through the process and you notice as you look at this process that the lines, the boundary lines, are jotted lines. Which means you can go out of bounds whenever you want to. Now you have a beautiful baseball diamond right over here. And there's a foul line. Hit the ball over the foul line. You can't get on base. You have a good soccer team here, there's lines, wouldn't it be a very uninteresting game if there was no rules and no boundaries, just kick the ball wherever, you could kick it over here, kick it through the door, kick it around the back here, kick it out that door where everyone's chasing you all over, the people in the stands, they don't know who's kicking the ball in here because they're out there, no goalposts, you never score, you just kick and run, just kick and run, kick and run, kick and run. Say, what a lousy game. Who would pay money to see someone do that? What makes it interesting, you have to play by the rules and the boundaries. All of sports. Life has those also. Because if you make a decision to move out of that process of change, that channel that God has designed for your life, then the very best that he has designed for you will not become a reality. And to become a salty light, and I'm going to define it for you in a moment, tried to sit down with all of my commentaries and my bible and my thing that tells ignorant people like me how to read some greek that's going to really get fancy and i you know because this is the school you know of john macarthur the great biblical expositor i'm glad he's on his way to russia and he's not here i don't feel quite as threatened by the way you need to pray for him every day the next two weeks I had lunch with him yesterday, and he told me where he was going, where no one's gone before in relationship to what they're doing. A pastor's conference, it's the country or republic, whatever they call it, right next to Siberia. Very strong Muslim country. They're there for a pastor's conference for a whole week, and then going someplace else for a week. I wrote down already in my yearly planner, and I'll show you what we do with ours on Friday to help you organize your life some. I wrote every day, John MacArthur, John MacArthur, John MacArthur, and t- for two weeks... The very first thing on every one of those days, I told him I'd pray for him. Now, I wouldn't remember this guy laid it on my heart, but now I'll remember because every day when I open up my yearly planner, there's his name. But here when we talk about this, the process of change to become that salty light really affects the world in which we're living in. You know, it's interesting when it talked about salt there in the 13th verse of Matthew chapter 5, it talks about either it's good or it's tasteless. And the word tasteless, I looked it up. And it's from the word moron. And I thought, boy, who wants to be a moron? Well, that's what it says. If you're a tasteless person, you're kind of an ignorant person because you're not doing what you were designed to be doing. You're not impacting the world. And we could look at a lot of things that salt does. We know it flavors and it purifies and it creates thirst. Do you have a hunger for God? Just a thirst for him? I wish I had the words to describe to you the difference in my life today versus three and a half years ago in relationship to this one area. The hunger for God, to know Him more deeply, to be saturated by His Word, to spend time in prayer, to love Him. And then the light aspect of it, the light that lives within. You know, when we went to the Indians, we had an Indian conference while we were in the jungle, and I was trying to think you know, they said, you got to speak at a fourth grade level. Not because they're ignorant, just because they haven't been exposed, you know, the television sets and telephones and all the things that we are. They only have the New Testament in their dialect, so you got to stick primarily with the new, although they like to hear it with the old. And I kept praying, Lord, help me to bring myself way down. Give me an idea. Give me a thought. Give me something that I can use. One day I was on my treadmill. And uh, when I'm on the treadmill, I listen to John MacArthur a lot. And uh, going through, you know, his series now in Second Corinthians, and he got to the section in Second Corinthians three eighteen about looking in a mirror and seeing the Lord Jesus, and our life should mirror His life. And right away, I thought, I got a great idea. See, our company Premier Design sells high fashion jewelry, things you gals really love. We're in a great business. Everyone likes high fashion jewelry, and we have a little mirror. It's about uh, oh, about this big. So, I asked if I could take 400 mirrors into the jungle. And the first night, which was three weeks ago, tomorrow night, there's about several hundred Indians, and I start passing out mirrors. I wasn't passing them out, but someone else was passing them out. And we had to give instructions how to take them out of the plastic pouch and how to open them up. And I said, Now, I want you to look in those mirrors. They're looking, and the ladies are giggling. Because some of them have probably never looked in the mirror before. Ah! You know, never. husband saying, "See what I've been telling you all these years? I've been looking at you." You know. But anyway, they're looking in the mirror, and all of a sudden, I said, "What do you see?" Well, they're responding. Now, what do others see when they look at you? What does God see? And I said, "Breathe on the mirror." Ah, ah. They're all. Ah, ah. Fog and mirrors up. Now I say, what do you see? They couldn't see anything. It's all cloudy. What does someone see when they look at your life? Is it cloudy? You know, I thought about light, and you know, in a lot of rooms in my home, I have a dimmer switch. I thought, is there any dimmer switches in my life that prevents the light that lives within from others to see it? That's the illustration we were talking about. And when you go through this process, there's some key words. The word process, the word change, the word progress, the word purpose. If I was going to summarize all we're talking about today, we're going to, we're talking about yes, choice, be, do. Pretty tough outline. We're going to be talking about that all week. Choice, yes, be, do. To be the person God wants us to be, to do the things God wants us to do by making the choices and the first choices to live our lives, yes, Lord, just like this. The process of change. You know, our lives are not determined by what we want. I'm a very objective person as far as setting objectives for my own life. Personally, corporately, family-wise. I have lots of objectives that I'm working towards. But our lives are not determined by what we want or the objectives that we set. Our whole direction of our life is determined by choices. You make a choice whether you stay in that channel or not or you move out of it. I have to make that choice every day. Integrity in the marketplace is something that's not very prevalent. You have to look for it. Unfortunately, even in the church today, in many cases, the integrity is not there. Choices. Very, very important and critical in our walk with God. To be salty lights are the choices that we make every day. you made choices today, several of them already. You'll make many more choices before we get back together again on Wednesday. Wednesday, we're going to talk about reaching our objective. One of our key objectives is the middle word in that black section on the right of that channel of change. It's the word Christ-like. You see, it says below that little black box with yes, Lord, Christ likeness and well done in it. It says beginning with the end in view. That's the way we need to live our lives, live our lives from the end backwards. In other words, when I get to the end of my life, I want the Lord to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. He's only going to say that if I begin backing my life up to where I am and realize what I want to happen at the end and begin that process to make that a reality in my own personal life as I live my life the way God wants me to live it. So we're going to talk about how to reach that objective. We're going to talk about something that changed and transformed my own life three and a half years ago. And I have found as I've gone through this material, we're going to give you two printed pages to help you go through and work through later. It's the number one problem in our lives today. How we think. How we think. Either we think with the mind of Christ or we think with the mind of the flesh. And all day long as a businessman working in the marketplace, I have to toy with what I'm going to think with. And I want to think with the mind of Christ. I want to make that progress that God wants me to make to fulfill his purpose. And of course we know what that purpose is. It says in Romans 8:28 and 29 that you know everything that happens in our lives is for, God's, for our good. That we might be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That we might be the people that God has saved us to be. That we might be the salt and the light in a dark world as we live our lives. But we have to live within the boundaries. We have to be willing to release everything to God and allow Him to work through our lives. Let me give you a personal illustration as we wind down. Back, uh, three and a half years ago, I was at a conference. And um, at Doral Country Club. And the speaker was Bruce Wilkinson. Walk through the Bible. And he really challenged our hearts. And he talked about John 14, 15, 16, and 17. And that day he was talking about John 15, the word abiding, and what it means to abide in God's presence. And myself with a lot of other businessmen and their wives, when we finished that session that morning, found ourselves on our knees, I said, if I could live my life as the way he described, if I could abide in my my Lord's presence to that extent, wow, what a thrilling place to live. I said, God, I want to know what that is. I want to know how to abide. I said to my wife, oh, I'd love to spend some time with him. He just really rang my bell. But there was several hundred people at the front talking to him afterwards. You know, in less than 15 minutes, He and I were all by ourselves in the foyer of the hotel, eyeball to eyeball, and I introduced myself. You know what he said to me? What are you doing right now? I said, I'm not doing anything. Let's go have coffee. We sat for an hour and a half. No one even came to the table. No one interrupted us. He began to ask me questions. I thought I was on a couch in a counseling session. No one has ever asked me. Talk about building a map book, a God appointed time he asked me things I was embarrassed almost to answer then I told him about our company by the way our company was founded by a man named Andy Horner and his wife Joan on a missions trip that we were on in 1985 in the early part of it and God enabled him at 60 years old to start something that's really exciting we're built upon the foundations of God's Word and the principle is to serve others and our whole purpose is to enrich lives and right now we're supporting The Horner Premier Foundation, which eventually most of all the stock will go into. Something like 43 missionaries in 20-some countries. It's exciting to be involved in that. And I was telling them all about that and all the things God was doing in my life. And really trying to impress them a little bit, you know. Raise up my significance level. But you know what he said to me? He looked at me after an hour and a half, put his finger in my nose, literally. said, you know what you are? Wow, I thought, I don't know if I want to hear what he has to say. He said, you're a driven man. You're just pushing and driving and pushing and driving and going and going and going. He said, I don't know if God could change the direction of your life if he wanted to. Could he? In other words, as you're driving through this channel that we're talking about we're going to be talking about this channel of change making that progress we trust towards the purpose that God has saved us to be like the Lord Jesus if God wanted to turn your life around dramatically like he did in 1972 could he do it well I said i had to be honest with you I think so but I'm not sure he said let's meet tomorrow I want to talk about what happened in my life then he began to tell me a transition he went through and you know what he challenged me to do he said, I wanna give you a challenge. I'll give you the same challenge. We're gonna go through it a couple of times while we're here because if you can really take this challenge on and make it a reality in your life, you're gonna be staying in that process of change, making those right choices, making the progress God wants you to make. He said, I want you to begin examining your life. I want you to just jot down everything in your life you can think of And ask yourself, have I given this over to God? Start with your personal life, your dreams, desires, gifts, talents, abilities, your family, your wife, your sons, your grandchildren, your daughter-in-laws, your business, your ministry, everything. He said, don't push it. took me a year and a half to get to the point where everything was released to him. I began the process. Was it hard? Boy, I spent about four months on the word abide. I filled a whole notebook. Began to work, spending more time in God's word, asking the spirit of God to search my heart, to see if there's anything in my life about not to be there. Boy, I had to go to my wife, went to my kids, I went to others. I just was really making some progress. After a year and a half, I felt I could do what he asked me to do, take a piece of paper and write the word yes on it and send it to him in Atlanta when I got to that point. But there was one thing that I wasn't honest to God about. Couldn't release my company. I had a sense that God wanted me more in ministry. He wanted me doing more of this and on the mission field and churches and men's groups and couples retreats and et cetera and so forth. And I didn't know I couldn't do both. And man, our company's so great and we support missions and we're enriching people's lives. And I knew God would not move me out of that. And I couldn't release it. One day, I my prayer time, I released it. By the afternoon, I took it back. Next day, I released it, took it back. Finally, the Lord woke me up one day about 3.30 in the morning and I was there in my office and I was praying and tears pouring down my cheeks. I said, God, here, it's all yours. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm scared, but it's yours. Four days later, my friend of 20 some years, CEO and president of Premier Designs said, come into my office and close the door. One of those close the door type things, you know, where you, what's going on? He said, sit down, I want to talk to you. I sat down and he said to me, first words he said, I'm tired of being the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay. He said, I'm tired every time I want to go do something or go speak someplace, you got to say, can I go? And then I got to decide, well, how will it affect the rest of the management team? And he said, uh, premier designs is preventing God from doing with your life what he wants to do. And I don't want it to continue. It's got to stop. I thought, Oh Lord. Don't tell me. And I started to cry. I just had tears pouring out of my eyes. I said, Lord, I want what you want, but I didn't think you'd take this away. But I still didn't want to take it back. But then he said to me, we've got to find out a way you can do both. And about two months later, he presented me with a contract where it said that no cut in salary, no cut in benefits, I could have three months out of every year, 25%, just to use as God would direct. Whether it's here at Master's College, whether it's in the jungles of Venezuela, or a businessmen's conference in Buenos Aires or a church someplace, I can just say, here's where I'm going. And he says, fine. You know what I would have missed if I wouldn't have been willing to do this? God's best. The best of both worlds. I'm in the marketplace. I love it. I love to buy and sell, make profit, love to give, love to be involved in people's lives. I love this more. Love this more. Love God's word more. Love ministry more. To be able to do both. I ran across something on the plane as I was coming here. It's written by a Scottish pastor, George MacDonald. And he said, man finds it hard to get what he wants because he does not want the best we find it hard to get what we want because we don't want the best God finds it hard to give because he would give the best and man will not take it man will not take it you want the best you have to do this before you ever find the best God never reveals his best until we're willing to do his best without ever knowing what his best is. That's why it was so hard. I, I, I didn't want God to move me out of the marketplace. A Rom- Romanian Christian was asked by a Western church why the Western church had lost its power, and with this will close. Western Christians have ceased using the concept of the surrendered life. They have substituted it with the committed life. Commitment emphasizes what man must do. The commitment is to do something that God wants us to do. Surrender emphasizes that man is no longer in control. Not in control. No longer in control. God rules in the heart of man. It's now his responsibility to make us like Jesus Christ. You know that verse, and I looked it up in the Amplified New Testament this morning as I was going through some things in God's Word. Uh, I was going to read it in the King James Version I have here, but Luke 9, 23 and 24, it says, And he said to all, If any man wills to come after me, let him deny himself, that is, disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interests, refuse to give up himself, And take up his cross and follow me. That is, cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example, the example that Jesus left for us. In living and if need be, in dying. Is that what you would want for your life? I don't know and you don't know where the end of your life is going to find you. Whether it's in ministry, whether it's in business, whether it's in ministry as a wife and mother, or whether it's as a wife and mother of a business person, only God knows. And He only tells us what He wants us to do a day at a time. He doesn't project in the future. That's why we have to trust Him for each day. And my challenge as we close now for you this day, would you be willing to begin the process of this? The process of this. Yes, Lord, I want what you want with no amendments and reservations and conditions. It'll take time, but once it becomes a reality in your life, your life will never be the same. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning for the joy we have in our hearts because we know you personally, and our sins have been forgiven, and we're on our way to heaven. But we pray, Father, that that abundant life that you have promised that the devil wants to take from us will be experienced in each of our lives because we will be willing to trust you enough to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I want what you want for my life. I want to make the choices as I go through the process. Change me any way you need to change me that your purpose might be fulfilled in my life. And we'll be careful for all we accomplish to give you the praise and the glory For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. We'll see you Wednesday.